I've come to realize that there's no amount of money, there's no girl, there's no car, there's no apartment or house or beach that can give me that sense of true like belonging and connection that, that I always have been looking for. It's actually more in the process of creating those things that I find it. Welcome to Generation C, a podcast by Coops, where we explore creativity, growth, and the good life. My name is Karl Kronika. And my name is Judith Gable. And we are your hosts. And today we are going to talk with Jelte from Plugin, who also happens to be one of the three co-founders of Soundbox. And we are going to have a really deep conversation with Jelte about his whole journey going from mental suffering to mental freedom, as he calls it, and how he is building the company that he needed himself to heal and also hopes to help others do the same. We are also talking about how to redefine success by sitting in the silence and really starting to to listen and how you can optimize your business for meaning over profit. We're also going to explore how you can set ambitious goals for yourself and your company, whether it be in KPIs, OKRs or or whatnot, but also allow yourself at the same time to really enjoy the process towards your future dream uh, and also appreciate the place that you are at at the moment. We also going to explore how creativity is really something that Yalda believes is an organism and a force that can hit us all and we just have to choose to ride the rate or not so we really can't control it and it's something that we have to be grateful for every time it, uh, it visits us. Yes, and finally we are going to talk a bit with Yalda about you know where he finds his inspiration and he mentions among other people Ivan from Patagonia and the author and entrepreneur Michael Singer so that's also going to be an interesting conversation and we we can't wait to uh, to get started so uh, enjoy the episode and let's get started you talked a little bit about it before we we went uh on mic about push patiently this uh, mantra of yours in plugin which we're diving into in a little bit what does that mean to you i love this quote of the sentence that like the sometimes the fastest way to go there is to go slow and i think push patiently actually came from several hour-long conversations with uh, rasmus and lesser from 2010 and we actually didn't come up with that ourselves but he had made a presentation and they had a few like taglines and then they said, and push patiently was just placed there between all the other things. And I just immediately was like, what, how the fuck did you come up with that? And I started Googling, like, why has no one used push patiently before? It's it's two Ps, it's push, it's move forward, but also like have that distance towards life, that that healthy observer, observ- observative like relationship with, with everything you do that, you know, in the end, like you're gonna be fine, or everything is amazing, or everything is is horrible. Like you can you can look at the world on on such a macro perspective that when you look when you look at at the fact that we just we've just been here for 
don't know, 27 years. But in reality, the universe is 13 billion years. When you realize that, you start to become patient. But you also realize that it's all just a game. And when we realize that it's not that important, we can push harder, we can push faster, and we can push with just more creativity and more fun because we know that it's not that serious. That's what push patiently means to me. It's like, fucking go out and do your best. Just focus, but don't do it for the sake of believing that it's going to make you feel more worth or it's going to make you something out in the future. Do it because you want to do it now and do it with patience because then you can truly enjoy it. Then you can truly build something great and you can truly collaborate and you can truly create something sustainable, both mentally, physically, environmentally, all these things. So push patiently is just the ethos of of what I've learned because if I don't push, I also lose a huge side of myself, a huge side of my creativity. I had one and a half years in Bali where I didn't have to do anything but drink coconuts and dance by the beach. And it's amazing, but I didn't have that sense of push. And I actually started, you know, just dying a little bit from not pushing, from not doing anything. For me, it's like, how do I find that perfect balance where I can go out and create, but also zoom out and enjoy? And I think that's a perfect segue going into talking a bit about plugin and, and how that came to be, but also maybe starting that journey at the point where you had those years for yourself to kind of figure out what's next for Yalza. Can you talk a little bit about that? What what happened then and, and how did plugin came to be? I think this journey has, has been ongoing since forever. And I just remember as a kid just thinking a lot and observing a lot. And I remember as a kid like looking at adults and being like, guys have not figured anything out. You're all just grown up kids with the same problems as every other teenager and you just pretend like you have it all figured out and and I looked at teachers and I looked at my parents who whom I love and I and I looked at a lot of people that I respect and I looked at all the fancy cars and houses and I was like why are we pretending as if it's hard why do we spend our whole life chasing the big house and the car when you're all empty inside and and now I'm saying when you're all it's not obviously that true but it's just that's how I felt I remember looking at, at life and at adults and then at society and being like this is so empty and I can feel that it's empty. And I can feel that you're not having sex with your wife. I can feel that you're not satisfied with your job. I can feel that that you're not excited about your job. I can feel that you're not enjoying the sun. I can feel that you're actually just waiting for, for the next vacation. Or And and I feel everyone's excitement and pain. And, and, and it's a big strength and it's a big uh, weakness because it can also be like an escape from myself. So ever since I was a kid, I spent a lot of time either like going into that or escaping from that. So I started smoking a lot of weed, I started drinking a lot, I started throwing a lot of parties, I started working a lot. And I guess in some way I was, I worked hard enough and I worked focused enough and, and I maybe had a little bit of luck as well. So that turned out into some sort of a successful career. But all throughout that, I knew that there was something more. And then I had this big crash as 21 year old and a lot of pain for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, a lot of pain. And if you read into the idea behind pain, I think you can you see it as something horrible or you can see it as a as a process of, of growing. Because when when a seed is growing, it actually looks quite painful. If you if you look at a butterfly like hatching, it doesn't look comfortable. Right? And I think it's the same with people when something has to grow, it it has to hurt a lot because old ideas need to die. And a lot of Yelda needed to die from the age of 21 until now. And, and a lot of Yelda still has to die. And it's not like I chose 
to see the world this way. I just woke up in this world as a kid, as a five, six, seven year, eight old, and I just felt a lot. I just thought a lot and I just saw a lot. And I notice when people are happy or not happy or anything in between. I can almost sometimes hear people's thoughts in some weird way. I don't know if it's their thoughts or my thoughts or my reflection of theirs, but it's just been very, it's been a part of my whole life. So I had to understand this. And I started meditating, I started reading, I started going to all kinds of coaches and therapists and every single fucking thing you can do to understand the mind and the body and the soul. I've literally spent more than, I don't know, $100,000 on all of these things um, and endless hours, both with the perspective of trying to understand and fix myself, but also with the objective interest in the field of psychology and mental and physical and all these aspects of life, spiritual and all the different dimensions or words you can put on this, which I actually think, by the way, is just a human experience that we're all sharing and we're all just talking about the same stuff with different words, with different cultures, with different perspective. Now that you sort of have all these experiences and and learnings, it's sort of like it's all come together now in, in Plugin. Can you tell a bit more about what Plugin actually is? I think from a completely egoistic and personal perspective, it has been an attempt to collect all the things that I and the people that I surround myself with uh, the most love. It's just everything that makes us happy and calm and grounded and focused in one little world platform community. And it's music and dance and it's meditation and it's breathwork and it's ice baths and it's traveling to cool places in the world and it's big hugs and smiles and people crying and laughing and just sharing openly about their insecurities and their strengths and their weaknesses and creating this safe space where you can just be whoever the fuck you are in this moment right now without having to define, without having to lock yourself into this fixed uh, mindset forever and allowing yourself to expand in a healthy way and contract sometimes also. Yeah, allowing people to breathe actually breathe through who they are and allow whatever comes up to be. And more practically, it's an online course and a physical community. I remember you once told me that you, when starting and, and building Soundbox, it was kind of also like a, a product for for you. Um, kind of the same thing applies to Plugin, that you also kind of were, were looking for this yourself, like looking for this community yourself. It wasn't there, so you had to build it for yourself. And it's actually also a product that you use all day, uh, every day. So what does that mean to you to be building something of such like that is so meaningful that it's also something that you use every day. I think that is the meaning of my life in some way. It is to just live in that constant mode of creation and just doing the things that makes me really excited. Because my experience is if I if I allow myself tune into that and do the things that and create the things that that I love and of course collaborate with incredibly smart and talented people that expand my perspective and constantly challenge me. But together we managed to somehow create something that people are excited about <laughs> and they want to take part in. And uh, it's just that constant creation and creativity um, that I love. And what does creation and creativity mean to you? And I know, again, that's a bit of a broad question, but how do you see your own creative process? When, when are you really tuned in to be the best creative person you can be? So it brings me back to the fact that I think we've completely misunderstood education, uh, first of all. <laughs> that we we tell people to be like, I remember having innovation in, in high school and they taught us this 
red, green, yellow brainstorm method where we had to brainstorm great ideas in this boring classroom and it was all forced and there was no like there was no creativity because it was forced. So for me, creativity is the exact opposite. It's actually just getting yourself out of the way. Now we talk about true creativity in the deepest senses, like really shutting down the voices inside of your mind. So I believe and I have experienced and, and I think there's no discussion around it in the, in the end that we have access to this collective consciousness. We are all a part of nature in some way. We kind of like, we're born from nature and we die and we turn into nature. There's no, it's, it's science actually. We can, we can discuss a lot, but let's just keep it there. And we have access to a lot of that knowledge stored in hundreds of generations and I don't think ideas are owned by one person. I think ideas come by and they, they kind of like latch on to the person that's ready to grab that idea. It's funny because when a new project is created, a lot of other people around the world are creating similar projects at the same time. Right now, there are so many communities similar to Plugin popping up. It's crazy. And 10 years ago, there was a lot of portable battery-driven speakers popping up. That's how it is. Creativity, it has nothing to do with you. You're, you're, you're literally just a tool for, for ideas that comes from something that are much more smart than our monkey brain. But how do you put yourself in that situation where you grab that? So you, you shut up your mind and you get into a flow state, either by running really fast or reading or drinking or smoking or meditating or breathing or going into ice baths or, or getting rid of your thoughts. That's what we're all chasing. We're chasing the, the flow state. And we all do it, whether we're conscious or unconscious about it. Artists will drink a lot so they can get out of their mind and get access to this. Or they will take some sort of drug or they will go for this run. Or they will do all kinds of things or just work ourselves so exhausted and put ourselves in so stressful situations that we have to come up with some creative solution. And we all do it. And it is the moment when your identity is, is gone, when you're either in so much pressure or in so much peace that you access that and it has nothing to do with you. I, I, I truly believe that. Can you remember uh, one of the last times you sort of experienced your flow state? Yeah, just today I had a walk with a member from Plugin and we we went in, in Estetens uh, Park. He asked me a lot about how do you deal with the sense of always uh, seeking approval from others. And he talked about how he can look at some people and judge them for either being better or worse than him. And I said, that's kind of like the antidote for seeking approval is to be able to observe other people without judging them because then you start looking at the world as it is we're all equal in some way so we did this meditation thing where it guided into non-judgmental observation and that's one method where you just try to observe everything just as it is and it's really difficult um, but you can have moments small moments where you just look at a lamp and you realize oh it's just a lamp and it's not wrong for being small or it's not right for being big it's just what it is and that can be some sort of flow state because i can i can enter this state of just one second or five seconds of 10 seconds walking around in nature with this guy and just being completely with things as they are and then i come back to my desk one and a half hour later and i'm a lot more productive Just before that, I was a little bit like in a funk and a lot of thoughts going on. And I actually didn't think I had time to go for that walk. I thought, fuck, why did I book that? I don't have time for that. But when I came back, I had so much more time because I was in a way different headspace. Mm. So I think there's many ways to enter that flow state. 
it's funny because it's almost also like you're sometimes sort of creating a, a mini flow state when you're sort of taking a breath in, mm-hmm. closing your eyes, and you're just taking a moment to to think about what you're gonna say before you actually say it. Definitely. It's it's a rare thing. When you ask me, like, do you ever get self-conscious about when you speak? And I actually don't think about what I'm saying when I'm in the right mode. But it's not like I'm always there. I don't want to sound like a saint, but definitely just tuning in. So you can do it right now and just take a deep breath in. And there's a tiny moment on the top of your breath and you can exhale. And there's a tiny moment on the bottom of your breath. And in both ends, with pure mathematics and a sinus curve, you can realize that there's a zero on the top and the bottom. And that's like the portal to peace. And it's the place with peace and and those flow states where you, after or in that moment, find your most creative uh, thoughts pop up. Mm, That depends on how you define creative, but I think it's at least where I found the creative ideas that I want to develop and work with and that I find most sustainable for the life that I want to create. Um, I've definitely had a lot of crazy ideas on by smoking weed, but and you could call them super creative, but they are usually not aligned with the life that I want to create anymore. So it is through that like pure peace, the real sort of peace that is not inflicted by anything else than just me and my breath and nature. That's definitely where I get the ideas that that are the most like sustainable, the most uh, connecting with other people and most relevant for, for the time that we live in right now, I think. And speaking about the life that you want to live and the life that you want to create for yourself, how does that look like also going into uh, a new phase of your life, uh, becoming a, a father? A huge congrats on that as well. A lot of stuff is happening in, in your life and a lot of opportunities are out there for what life you can create uh, for yourself and with plugin and all of this. What to you is the good life? I think it's more a state. I've come to realize that there's no amount of money There's no article, there's no vacation, there's no rich investor in Silicon Valley or in LA or in Copenhagen. There's no girl, there's no car, there's no apartment or house or beach that can give me that sense of true like belonging and connection that, that I always have been looking for. It's actually more in the process of creating those things that I find it. It's it's in the present moment of creating that I found that and I'm there maybe 60 or 80% of the time and some days I'm not there at all but I'm really fast now to get back on track when I get lost in the idea that in three months things are going to get better I just start laughing because I just track back and I just realize oh that's what I told myself for eight years and it never got better because you get lost in like the future and the things that you don't have yes and I just start thinking maybe if we get this amount of customers in soundbox and we and we start making this and this and this and we get these on board and this then i can start enjoying life and then but it just never worked out so for me the answer to all this is designing a life designing a process where that is the goal where where every single step is meaningful so i'm not optimizing for happiness i'm optimizing for meaning And I can be extremely happy while doing something that's very tough right now. Or I can find a lot of meaning in going out with the trash 
because I'm going out with the trash for some people that I care about and a project that I care about. As long as you're doing it for something that you care about, it's there's meaning in it. And then that's the true whatever you want to call it. That's what I've been looking for. So is it sort of the the awareness of what you're doing and that uh, has a purpose or that that sort of is something you're doing for someone that you you love? Is that something that makes it into a process that you really enjoy? Or how does you sort of figure out what fits on that journey? This is completely from my perspective, but I see it in this way. I have thoughts. I have a lot of voices inside of my mind, right? I have uh, young Yelda, I have old wise Yelda, I have dad Yelda, I have entrepreneur Yelda, I have marketing Yelda, I have sales Yelda, I have finance Yelda, I have all these different kind of personalities and voices and values inside of my mind. And on that stage of my life, I need to make them sort of agree. So there's a constant board meeting inside of my mind going on all the time. All the time I have to make all these voices agree. That's step one. Then I have my physical body, which is the home of all these voices. That needs to be fueled with the right food, with the right environment, with the right exercise. With the So right now I'm going through a phase where I'm actually advised to not do any heavy workout because my stress levels has been quite high. So now I'm doing a lot of really boring workouts. So I'm actually working towards that teenager yelled that wants to have the six pack and all the tattoos and all the, and then I'm telling him, can we wait with that for just a little bit? Because the, the old wise yelled is saying that you're going to break your neck or your, your, your leg if, if you continue to work out like this, right? So aligning the body with the boardroom inside of my mind. And then there's some sort of deeper sense of thing that I have no words to describe because we need to sit in silence together before I can show you what I mean by that, which is, I think we can call it the soul. Um, and that also has some sort of calling, some sort of reason for being here. And I need to align with that as well. And that needs to be aligned with the body, that needs to be aligned with the boardroom inside of my mind. And then you move out in the family spectrum, with, and that needs to be aligned with where the people around me, because if my mom gets sick tomorrow, my priorities will change. So it also needs to be aligned with with that and have the sort of freedom and capabilities to to be adaptable to these things because then all of a sudden uh, the the guy in the boardroom that wants to sell 500,000 sound boxes can just fucking shut up. And what do you do then? And then comes the whole, the grain scale of society and the war and politics and um, all the people that I don't know that I also want to somehow be connected with and and contribute to and all these layers of life needs in some way to be aligned. And then this very, very deep understanding that if you look at the grain scale, if you realize the universe has been around for 13 billion years, everything is just as it's supposed to be. And there is no good or bad. Because in, in a few thousand years, no one's even going to remember the words called Americans. Like, what's, what's Americans? What, what's Danish people? What's that? In, I don't know, 10,000, 20,000 years, if you read sapiens or some of these really interesting history books and at that grand scale everything that i experience is completely meaningless which makes it even more worthwhile to dive into and to enjoy everything right now because it doesn't matter and when all these different stages of consciousness and experiences align and i can accept these realities then i'm at peace is this like a journey that, that ever ends or is it that continues the whole life? Of course, it, it continues the whole life. You set yourself up for failure if you believe that enlightenment is something we reach in five years or success is something we reach in five years or 
peace is something we reach in five years, you're fucked. You're going to be deeply fucked for the rest of your life <laughs> if you keep on believing that. I think we also have to believe it in a certain period of time, but you have to believe it so hard that you that you realize it's 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 one big lie. It's the biggest lie of humanity that that in somewhere out in the future you're going to feel amazing. And I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, and of course, we are dealing with it as well, are like facing every day where you kind of set these ambitious goals and then you say, okay, when we get there, then it's going to be nice. Or that, like you mentioned, like when we get that higher, when we do that, then it's going to be fun. But sometimes remembering that it is actually fucking fun to sit and, and do a podcast with, you know, whoever you like to invite in. And, you know, we are having fun, but we are still like reminding ourselves of, okay, we've set some goals and we want to get to this revenue target and want to do this and this and this. Is that okay to like have that as well? Or should you kind of like get to a place from a personal perspective, at least where you kind of accept that it's okay to have like goals and objectives and all that, but it's way more about like the meaning you find in, in the process and, and the way that you also described like the push patiently anecdote, how that came to be in terms of have to enjoy the push and not just push for getting something out of it all the time, maybe. There was one thing I wanted to answer, which was your first point. The one being, is it okay to have goals and, and strategize and budget and plan and, and chase things out in the future? And I think that's inevitable in some way if you want to build something. So everything we do is based around a story about the future. Even Buddhism, who talks about being in the present moment, is built around a story out in the future. Even meditation and mindfulness is built around a story out in the future. So, and that's the fucking weird paradox about everything in life. Everything you say can be asked, well, is that even true? And nothing is ever true. So, of course, you need to plan for the future. And that's the struggle that I'm also in uh, right now. But if you can have all these layers, however you want to define them, but for me, I define it as the boardroom inside of my mind, my body, my soul, and the grander scheme of things, and, and I can look at that in different perspectives. If I can agree that, okay, now we turn up for the strategic part and the planning part and the budgeting part in the boardroom, and I'm fully present with that, and it's it's something I find deep meaning in, even though that at the grand scale, everything is, is doesn't matter. And I, and I sit there and I realize that and I'm doing this and I have my my body is there and I can feel my body and I can feel my breath and I have you know fueled my body with with nutrients that are amazing and I'm doing this for the sake of a purpose that I deep in my core in my soul or whatever you want to call it can feel so you can sit in a budget planning meeting and do OKRs and strategy and three-month planning and one-week planning and delegate to your 20 employees and still be fully present of course you can do that it's extremely difficult but you can do that I, I truly believe that I have small glimpses of it and I follow people that I, they don't necessarily say that they, they do that, but you can feel it. Um, just look at Patagonia, Yvonne, he's a huge Zen guy and Michael Singer, uh, the surrender experiment and uh, the untethered soul and these guys, they have managed to build great businesses while being somewhat present. And I'm sure they fell off the horse every day, every week, every month, but I'm also pretty confident that they, they did their best to align and center and then get back on track and do their best. Exactly, because I think sometimes it, it's when you get lost in, in that future story that it's sometimes hard to kind of get back to basics and do that presentation for tomorrow. And I think that leveling up your thoughts and then leveling down to where you are today 
but still being happy about where you are today, that's kind of sometimes the hard part. But it's still really, really, really worthwhile exercising. I, I don't think we should not do it or neglect it or laugh at it just because it's difficult. If you have the boardroom that you're referring to, let's say that's your team, 10 people in the team, you recognize all their differences, but you sort of try to find alignment by having a common mission, having common goals. But what do you do if, if you know, that boardroom suddenly has to fit in 100 people, for example, then it's, it's difficult to, at least for you as a leader, to recognize the differences of all 100 people suddenly, and then also take that into account when you are setting the direction and setting the goals, what should really measure the success of businesses. That's where I think we have to look again are we forcing or are we doing this in the way it is supposed to be? Or are we doing this in a way where it's just, it's mentally, physically, emotionally sustainable for the people around us? And and I think if you build a company or a team with the right mindset and, and you nourish the roots from the beginning and you really do your very best to keep on nourishing these roots and you take out the dirty stuff when it comes immediately and you don't allow bullshit, then I think it is possible to to grow and you will have sub-communities within the community that understands this way of collaborating. And I think we've seen examples of it. There are co- great companies working in this way and maybe they're not the fastest growing. Um, we need to start measuring success in more than just one pillar. And it's so difficult. But to me, it can just be felt, can be felt when you look at Patagonia versus, I don't know, it can just be felt. And there's a great guy called Frederick Leloux, who just wrote in a book about the future organizations. And he talks about this new way of collaborating. And, and I think there's a lot of great philosophers and business uh, coaches and leaders and people that are a lot smarter than me on that. I don't want to claim that I have the recipe for that because I'm just starting to try and build a new business with this perspective, but we are measuring biggest success on does it feel meaningful? And then of course, revenue and impact with our customers. Are we aligned with our values? I love the Patagonia question, like are we doing on any unnecessary harm? Um, there's a lot of great questions you can ask yourself, but I also don't think as a startup, you have the resources to measure everything to perfection. So imagine if you had to hire a three-person analysis team to measure every fucking single thing you do. You can't afford that. So again, there's no fixed recipe for that. But at least I think if it if it truly feels meaningful, if you can deeply look me in the eyes and say, this feels really important, this is really meaningful, then I think you're on the right path. And if you can make money and have great, great workplace and, and contribute to people around you while you do that, fucking well done. So Jelle, now, you know, we have really been abstract in our way of thinking, but if we were to sort of translate this into a commercial context, your whole mindset, how would you sort of translate that into how you do branding, for example? So also developing or at least changing my way of seeing life and world and business has, this has been a little bit of a crisis to me. How do I build a business? How do I build a brand that is aligned with my values and my way of seeing world now. So really difficult. But in essence, you could actually, and that's what I'm trying to do now with, with the team that I'm working with, is actually doing the exact same method. So you you look at the boardroom, you look at the people in the meeting room, and I expect these people to be aware of their own voices inside of their mind. 
If they're not aware of that, we cannot collaborate on this level. So that's step one. Finding people that are actually consciously developed enough to have these kind of conversations. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time. Some people maybe get pissed off and that's okay. Number two is then to have a very clever, objective conversation. So now we have all these people inside of this room with all of their own voices and ideas and minds and egos and traumas and their own body and their own understanding of this infinite, you know, thing we're going on and talking about. And we try to have an objective conversation and we put out ideas and, and we say, we can say, okay, so now I put the identity of sales yelde, and I put on the identity of Excel yelde, and I put on the identity of product builder and the heart of plugin. And, and we somehow have to make all these identities within us and between us agree. And we actually just continue doing life and doing work the way we do until we're there, until we, we feel this sense of hive mind, until we feel this sense of collective flow. And we have implemented meditation and breathwork and nature walks and all these things. And we have, if something is out of tune, we have a coach and we talk about that. So I think that's where it starts. So now we have a, a meeting room full of people that have aligned their own internal boardroom in the, inside of their mind and that are now aligned with the other people in the room. And now we can look at the body of the company and we can say, so what is the mission of this, what are, what are the nutrients? What are the what is the water? What is the sun that we need to give this company? It's exactly the same thing as your yourself. And we say, okay, we have these goals. We want to do this. We want to move in this direction. We live in this environment. We have this and this and that, and we can do this and this and that, and we can expect this, and we have to accept this, and we have right. So you just do the exact same thing, and I, as I do with myself, as with the company, and then from there we look at the environment and we say, what is needed? What is relevant? For the community around us, what timing do we have? What external crises or opportunities or things? How can we tap into what is going on while still aligning with all the values that we set out, that we felt inside of ourselves before we went out and looked? And then we somehow adapt to the world, but we also change the world. So it's this constant dance between surrender and intention, push, be patient. It's this constant balance. It's constant paradox and try to create as much harmony between the team, ourselves, our customers, the people that rely on us, our collaborators and the world. And <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's actually just treating your company the exact same way you would treat yourself in your own mind and your own body. Uh, treat it with that respect that, that we cannot afford to be so greedy that we fuck up everything else around us. We just cannot afford that for the sake of ourselves and our emotions, for the sake of the people around me, for the sake of the planet. And, and from there, we can be creative. And from there, we can sell. And from there, we can be fucking ambitious and, and sell and do all these things. But within this field of values and harmony. And if we step beyond that, if we go a little bit out in the bullshit zone, we do our very best to come back. And if we start lying a little bit or get going on with the with the greediness or if something starts to to go out of balance, we do our best to just come back. You know, and we talked a bit about religion or you mentioned uh, religion. At least to me, meditation hasn't been something that has been around for the last 10 years at least. You know, I didn't hear about meditation 10 years ago, but it, it is really something you hear often about these days. And there are more and more people 
who are meditating, but then also combined with, you know, for example, plug-in, it's also a community and also getting to this point of a higher state of mind is, you know, all these tendencies of uh, activities that people want to do. Is that sort of a substitute for religion? Is that why it's, it's um, getting more and more popular? Or where, where does sort of the, the need for working with one's mental health and finding community and all these things, where, where does the need for that come from? I think it comes from the pain. I think it comes from the whole inside of our stomachs that we all feel when we get abandoned or rejected. And I think it comes from the pain that we experience when we get stressed or depressed and we start looking for solutions and people realize, holy shit, connection is the solution. And, and I think it just actually comes from that. And that was the original intent with religion, but some people took it over, did some really well marketing. So, so religion came from that, but everything gets corrupt if the core values don't exist. It's like a company. So it's, it happens to almost every single company, right? You start a company, three founders, deep-rooted values, deep sense of purpose, working your ass off every day. It becomes successful. A lot of people get involved, a lot of opinions, a lot of discussions. You can't control it. Uh, founders die. And 500 years later, you have a machine that is convincing and controlling and corrupting. So let's separate those two, two things because religion has nothing to do with connection. It had something to do, but it doesn't have any more. But then if you go into a church and you just sit there without no one else, without anyone telling you what to do, or you go into nature or, or you sit right here and you start breathing and you start diving into consciousness through yourself, you will have a very direct experience of what this is all about and why people do it. Because it is the ultimate solution to getting out of your head, which is the ultimate source of your pain, is the present, you know, is the thought about the past and the future. So it's very simple. People do it because it works. To get away from pain. Yeah, to get away from pain and to dive into the things we are all looking for. Love, meaning, connection, trust, joy, all the emotions that we're all chasing all the time. I think that's why it's growing, because it's working. And people now have the resources and the time and the freedom to look beyond the next meal and the next pay. Uh, and technology is allowing us to free up time and to become a lot more conscious. That's also a huge part of it, technology and uh, freeing up people's time. At Plugin, you talk about mental freedom. How did that notion come about? When we go around and we tell people that statistically we're all fucked, we're all depressed, we're all diagnosed, we're all anxious, we're all everything, you're actually making a lot of people a lot more anxious, I believe. And we tell people that, oh, everything is so bad and so bad and so bad. But and I think there's, there's a reason to be realistic, but there's also a huge need to not feed the demon inside of all of us. And if we call it mental health... It becomes for the ones that are fucked up. But if we call it mental freedom, it becomes it becomes something that we can aspire to even before we are in that fucked up state. And mental health sounds more like cleaning your bathroom, which is important. But mental freedom is, is just going a few steps beyond that. And also remembering that mental health is important. That's, of course, the foundation. You can't have mental freedom if you're not mentally healthy. But mental freedom is, is going beyond 
being able to function and and it's diving into what is it really that you're looking for you're looking for love you're looking for connection you're looking for meaning you're looking for happiness you're looking for emotions and you're looking for a way to shut off your mind when you crave something you're actually not necessarily craving the thing you're craving that the craving stops you're craving the emotion that comes after the craving is gone the peace when you have had the chocolate the peace when you had the sex or the and of course it's enjoyable in the moment but mental freedom is when the craving stops and it's when you can just be home in yourself and in your body and in your mind and in your soul and with the whole universe just to like be the devil's advocate is that counterintuitive when you say that it's healthy of course to have goals it's healthy to strive for something but if you remove that craving for for the chocolate or for getting that girl or for getting that paycheck or for getting that funding round because you're chasing that feeling that you get afterwards and then you find a new new thing to chase if you just remove that because you become mental free do you then just become nothing so that's the paradox that's the paradox you can still do all the things while being connected while being centered you can still enjoy the chocolate you can still enjoy the beer you can still enjoy the sex you can still enjoy the work you can still enjoy all these things but you do it for the sake of doing it not for the sake of ending your craving that was it for our conversation with Yelde we hope you've enjoyed it and as always you can find more episodes of Generation C in your podcast app or on the Cobus website my name is Julius and my name is Carl and you've listened to Generation C